Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link on the top menu for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. That's the third entry on the drop-down. On that same drop-down menu, there's also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which email contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're con- completing our reading in Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with Section 9, The e- Eternal Fixation. I said that completely wrong. That's the external fixation. No, the eternal fixation. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause uh, to uh, touch in with the lesson for the day, the repeat of Lesson 59 from yesterday for Leap Day here. And that will be led, as always, by an estimable friend. Well, thank you all for being here. And Lori, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for this call? I do, Lemoyne. I'm so grateful for this one. It's from the book, 40 Prayers by Paralyzed Amazon. And I turn to it from time to time for its gifts. The poem is called The Nest of Nearness. An old friend of yours, told me that my heart is like a bird in a world of desire, flying in the air of seeking until it lands in the nest of nearness to you. I fold my wings. The nest is lined with the soft down of silence held in the infinite tree of your presence. I didn't know it would be like this. Where I come from, people are lonely. They hurry past your beauty, fearing death. I used to be like them, afraid of heights, until you gave my heart these wings. Now I don't ask to be comforted. That would keep me scared and needy. Now there is no edge to the peace of my happiness and yours. Amen. So beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thanks. Thank you, Lori. Oh, welcome. <laughs> okay, well, here's what I have for our Roster, this morning I have uh, with us in the reading, I have Lori, 
Diana, Robin Marie, Fran, Karen, and Lana. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Yes, good morning. It's Jessica, and I can read. Great. Thank you, Jessica. Anyone else? Like to say good morning or join the reading list? All right. <clears throat> Let me just double check here. That's all. All right. I'll go ahead and get us started then. In Chapter 5, Healing in the Wholeness, the final section, Section 9, The Eternal Fixation. The idea of set is among the better psychological concepts. Actually, it is used quite frequently in the Bible and also in this course under many different terms. For example, quote, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or set on him, unquote, a statement which means that God's peace is set in the Holy Spirit because it is fixed on God. It is also fixed in you. You, then, are fixed in the peace of God. The concept of, quote-unquote, fixation is also a very helpful one, which Freud understood perfectly. Unfortunately, he lost his understanding because he was afraid. And as you know all too well, fear is incompatible with good judgment. Fear distorts thinking and therefore disorders thought. Laurie. Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, uh, Section 9, The Eternal Fixation. The idea of, quote-unquote, set is among the better psychological concepts. Actually, it is used quite frequently in the Bible and also in this course under many different terms. For example, quote, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or set on him, end quote, is a statement that, which means that God's peace is set in the Holy Spirit because it is fixed on God. It is also fixed in you. You, then, are fixed in the peace of God. The concept of, quote-unquote, fixation is also a very helpful one, which Freud understood perfectly. Unfortunately, he lost his understanding because he was afraid. And as you know all too well, fear is incompatible with good judgment. Fear distorts thinking and therefore disorders thought. <clears throat> That's worthy of the second one. Fear distorts thinking and therefore disorders thought. Freud's system of thought was extremely ingenious because Freud was extremely ingenious and a mind must endow its thoughts with its own attributes. This is its inherent strength. Although it may misuse its power, 
Freud lost much of the potential value of his thought system because he did not include himself in it. This is a dissociated state because the thinker cuts himself off from his thoughts. Freud's, Freud's thought was so conflicted that he could not have retained his sanity as he, as he saw it without dissociation. His sanity as he saw it without dissociation. That is why the many contradictions which are quite apparent in his thinking became increasingly less apparent to him. A man who knows what fixation really means and yet does not yield to it is terribly afraid. Thank you, Lori. And Diana. Okay, let's see. Um, uh, 84. Thank you. Freud's system of thought was extremely ingenious because Freud was extremely ingenious. And a mind must endow its thoughts with its own attributes. This is its inherent strength. Although it may misuse its power, Freud lost most of the um, potential value of his thought system because he did not include himself in it. This is a dissociated state because the thinker cuts himself off from his thoughts. Freud's thought was so conflicted that he could not have retained his sanity as he saw it without dissociation. That is why the many contradictions, which are quite apparent in his thinking, became increasingly less apparent to him. A man who knows what fixation really means and yet does not yield to it is terribly afraid. 85. Fixation is a pool of God on whom your mind is fixed because of the Holy Spirit's inevitable set. um, Irrevocable means cannot be called back or redirected. The irrevocable nature of the Holy Spirit set is the basis for his unequivocal voice. The Holy Spirit never changes his mind. Clarity of thought cannot occur under conditions of vacillation. Unless the mind is set on its purpose, it is not clear. Clarity literally means a state of light, and enlightenment is understanding. Enlightenment stands under perception because you have denied it as the real foundation of thought. This is the basis for all delusional systems. Thank you, Lamorne. Thank you, Diana. And Robin Marie. Eighty-five. Fixation is the pull of God 
on whom your mind is fixed because of the Holy Spirit's irrevocable set. Quote, irrevocable, unquote, means, quote, cannot be called back or redirected, unquote. The irrevocable nature of the Holy Spirit set is the basis for his unequivocal voice. The Holy Spirit never changes his mind. Clarity of thought cannot occur under conditions of vacillation. Unless a mind is fixed in its purpose, it is not clear. Clarity literally means the state of light. And the enlightenment and and clarity literally means the state of light. And enlightenment is understanding. Enlightenment stands under perception because you have denied it as the real foundation of thought. This is the basis for all delusional systems. 86. The concept of fixation, as Freud saw it, has a number of learning advantages. First, it recognizes that man can be fixated at a point in development which does not accord with a point in time. This clearly could have been a means toward real release from the time belief had Freud pursued it with an open mind. Freud, however, suffered all his life from refusal to allow eternity to dawn upon his mind and enlighten it truly. As a result, he overlooked now entirely and merely saw the the continuity of past and future. Thank you, Robin Marie and Fran. 86. The concept of fixation, as Freud saw it, has a number of learning advantages. First, it recognizes that man can be fixed at a point in development which does not accord with a point in time. This clearly could have been a means toward real release from the time belief had Freud pursued it with an open mind. Freud, however, suffered all his life from refusal to allow eternity to dawn upon his mind and enlighten it truly. As a result, he overlooked now entirely and merely saw the continuity of past and future. 87. Second, although Freud misinterpreted what the Holy Spirit told him, or better, reminded him of, he was too honest to deny more than was necessary to keep his fear in tolerable bounds as he perceived the situation. Therefore, he emphasized that the point in development at which the mind is fixated is more real to itself than the external reality with which it disagrees. This, again, could have been a powerful release mechanism had Freud not decided to involve it in a strong defense system because he perceived it as an attack. 
Although Freud misinterpreted what the Holy Spirit told him, or better, reminded him of, he was too honest to deny more than was necessary to keep his fear intolerable bounds as he perceived the situation. Therefore, he emphasized that the point in development at which the mind is fixated is more real to itself than the external reality with which it disagrees. This, again, could have a powerful release mechanism, could have been a powerful release mechanism, had Freud not decided to involve it in a strong defense system because he perceived it as an attack. 88. Third, although Freud interpreted fixation as involving irrevocable, quote, danger points, unquote, to which the mind could always regress, the concept can also be interpreted as irrevocable call to sanity, which the mind cannot lose. Freud himself could not accept this interpretation, but throughout his thought system, the quote-unquote threat of fixation remained and could never be eliminated by any living human being. Essentially, this was the basis of Freud's pessimism, personally as well as theoretically. He tried every means his very inventive mind could devise to set up a form of therapy which could enable the mind to escape from fixation forever, even though he knew this was impossible. Thank you, Karen. And Lana. 88. Third, although Freud interpreted fixation as involving a replicable, in quote, danger points, unquote, to which the mind could always regress, the concept can also be interpreted as an irreplicable call to sanity, which the mind cannot lose. Freud himself could not accept this interpretation, but throughout his thought system, the, in quotes, threat of fixation remained and could never be eliminated by any living human being. Essentially, this was the basis of Freud's pessimism, personally as well as theoretically. He tried every means his very inventive mind could devise to set up a form of therapy which could enable the mind to escape from fixation forever, even though he knew this was impossible. 89. This knowledge plagued Freud's belief in his own thought system at every turn because he was both an honest man and a healer. He was therefore only partially insane and was unable to relinquish the hope of release, even though he could not cope with it. The reason for this amount of detail is because you are in the same position. 
you were eternally fixated on God in your creation. And the pull of this fixation is so strong that you will never overcome it. The reason is perfectly clear. The fixation is on a level so high that it cannot be surmounted. You are always being pulled back to your creator because you belong to him. Thank you, Lana. And Jessica. 89. Oh, maybe I'll read the last sentence. It's kind of long, but anyway. Uh, Freud tried every means his very inventive mind could devise to set up a form of therapy which could enable the mind to escape from fixation forever, even though he knew this was impossible. 89. This knowledge plagued Freud's belief in his own thought system at every turn because he was both an honest man and a healer. He was therefore only partially insane and was unable to relinquish the hope of release, even though he could not cope with it. The reason for this, uh, the reason for this amount of detail is because you are in the same position. You were eternally fixated on God in your creation. And the pull of this fixation is so strong that you will never overcome it. The reason is perfectly clear. The fixation is on a level so high that it cannot be surmounted. You are always being pulled back to your creator because you belong to him. Do you really believe you can make a voice that can drown out his? <laughs> Do you really believe that you can devise a thought system which can separate you from his? Do you really believe that you can plan for your safety and joy better than he can? You need be neither careful nor careless. You need merely cast your cares upon him because he careth for you. You are his care because he loves you. His voice reminds you always that all hope is yours because of his care. You cannot choose to escape his care because that is not his will. But you can choose to accept his care and use the infinite power of his care for all those he created by it. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 90 and 91? This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you. Do you really believe you can make a voice that can drown out his? Do you really believe that you can devise a thought system which can separate you from his? Do you really believe that you can plan for your safety and joy better than he can? 
You need be neither careful nor careless. You need merely cast your cares upon him because he careth for you. You are his care because he loves you. His voice reminds you always that all hope is yours because of his care. You cannot choose to escape his care because that is not his will. But you can choose to accept his care and use the infinite power of his care for all those he created by it. 91. There have been many healers who did not heal themselves. They have not moved mountains by their faith because their faith was not whole. Some of them have healed the sick at times, but they have not raised the dead. Unless the healer heals himself, he does not believe that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. He has not learned that every mind God created is equally worthy of being healed because God created it whole. You are merely asked to return to God the mind as he created it. He asked you only for what he gave, knowing that this giving will heal you. Sanity is wholeness, and the sanity of your brothers is yours. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for uh, 91 and 92? Yes, good morning, Lemoyne. Jude can do it. Can you hear me? Yes, please please go ahead. Okay. There have been many healers who did not heal themselves. They have not moved mountains by their faith because their faith was not whole. Some of them have healed the sick at times, but they have not raised the dead. Unless the healer heals himself, he does not believe that there is no order of difficulty in miracles. He has not learned that every mind God created is equally worthy of being healed because God created it whole. You are merely asked to return to God the mind as he created it. He asks you only for what he gave knowing that this giving will heal you. Sanity is wholeness, and the sanity of your brothers is yours. Why should you listen to the endless, insane calls which you think are made upon you when you know the voice of God himself is in you? God commended his Spirit to you and asks that you commend yours to him. He wills to keep it in perfect peace because you are of one mind and spirit with him. Excluding yourself from the atonement is the ego's last ditch defense of its own existence. It reflects both the ego's need to separate and 
your willingness to side with it. Separateness. This willingness means that you do not want to be healed. Ooh-wee. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 92 and 93? Another new reader for 92 and 93? Okay, back to you, Lori. Why should you listen to the endless, insane calls which you think are made upon you? When you know the voice of God himself is in you, God commended his spirit to you and asked that you commend yours to him. He wills to keep it in perfect peace because you are of one mind and spirit with him. Excluding yourself from the atonement is the ego's last-ditch defense of its own existence. It reflects both the ego's need to separate and your willingness to side with it, with its separateness. This willingness means that you do not want to be healed. 93, but the time is now. You have not been asked to work out the plan of salvation by yourselves because, as I told you before, the remedy is not of your making. God himself gave you the perfect correction for everything you made which is not in accord with his holy will. I have made his plan perfectly explicit to you and have also told you of your part in his plan and how urgent it is that you fulfill it. There is time for delay, but there need not be. God weeps at the so-called sacrifice of his children who believe that they are lost to him. Thank you, Lori. And Diana. Okay. Uh, let me just get back on the reading here. Um, um, was it 93? 93. 93. 93. 93. Okay. But the time is now. You have not been asked to work out the plan of salvation yourself. Because, as I told you before, the remedy is not of your making. God himself gave you the perfect correction for everything you have made, which is not in accord with his holy will. I have made his plan perfectly explicit to you and have also told you of your part in his plan and how urgent it is that you fulfill it. There is time for delay, but there need not be. God weeps at the sacrifice, uh, quote, sacrifice, unquote, of his children who believe they are lost to him. 94. I I have already told you that Whenever you are not wholly joyous, it is because you have reacted with a lack of love to some soul which God created. 
perceiving this as, quote, sin, unquote, you became defensive because you expect attack. The decision to react in this way, however, is yours and therefore can be undone. It cannot be undone by repentance in the usual sense because this implies guilt. If you allow yourself to feel guilty, you will reinforce the error rather than allow it to be undone for you. Thank you. Thank you, Diana and Robin Marie. Ninety-four. I have already told you that whenever you are not wholly joyous, it is because you have reacted with a lack of love to some soul which God created. Perceiving this as, quote, sin, unquote, you become defensive because you expect attack. The decision to react in this way, however, is yours and can therefore be undone. It cannot be undone by repentance in the usual sense because this implies guilt. If you allow yourself to feel guilty, you will reinforce the error rather than allow it to be undone for you. 95. Decisions cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must already have made a decision not to be wholly joyous if that is how you feel. Therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly but can as actively decide otherwise. Be very firm with yourselves in this and keep yourselves fully aware of the fact that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you, because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say to yourselves the following as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. Go ahead, if you'd like. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I will to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Thank you, Robin Marie and Fran. 95. Decisions cannot be difficult. This is obvious if you realize that you must already have made a decision not to be wholly joyous if that is how you feel. Therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decided wrongly, but can as actively decide otherwise. 
Be very firm with yourselves in this and keep yourselves fully aware of the fact that the undoing process, which does not come from you, is nevertheless within you because God placed it there. Your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say to yourselves the following as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I, have made, I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I will to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Thank you, Karen. And Karen, would you conclude starting with your your part is merely your part is merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace say to yourself the following as sincerely as you can remembering that the holy spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him, I will to let him by, letting, by allowing him to decide for God for me. Thank you, Karen. And would anyone else like to repeat what Karen just said? Hi, Lemoyne. This is Mindy. I would like to. Okay, please do. Thank you. I just have to boot this up because I just lost it there. Is there anyone else who would like to do this while I boot this up? I would. Your part merely to return your thinking to the point at which the error was made and give it over to the atonement in peace. Say to yourselves the following as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself. And I can also decide otherwise. I will to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. 
I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I will to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Amen. Thank you, Mindy. Okay. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Go ahead, Mindy. Okay, I'm ready. Thank you. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. And I want to repeat that one. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decisions if I will let him. I will to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Mindy. Um, well, I'll just ask one more time. Is there anyone else who would like to read this before we proceed to the lesson? All right. Well, thank you all. Especially thank you, Jessica. <laughs> Keep telling myself I will find those paragraphs that start with this <laughs> and could use the previous last sentence read. And you've always picked the, up on them so well. And so thank you for that. And uh, now I ask that you give your attention to Fran as she leads us in the review lesson 59. Uh, review of lessons 41 through 45. Please go ahead, friend. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and we're on our first review, and we're going to do lesson 59 again because it's leap year and we have the extra day in February. So we're going to do the, uh, between lessons 41 and 45 again. So, okay, I'll start. I'll read the lessons and we'll do our minute meditation. And then when we're finished with the five lessons, we'll do them all for three minutes. Okay, lesson 41. God goes with me wherever I go. How can I be alone when God always goes with me? How can I be doubtful and unsure of myself when perfect certainty abides in him? How can I be disturbed by anything when he rests in me in absolute peace? How can I suffer when love and joy surround me through him? Let me not cherish illusions about myself. I am perfect because God goes with me wherever I go. God goes with me wherever I go. One minute.
Lesson 42. God is my strength. Vision is his gift. Let me not look to my own eyes to see today. Let me be willing to exchange my pitiful illusion of seeing for the vision that is given by God. Christ's vision is his gift, and he has given it to me. Let me call upon this gift today so that this day may help me to understand eternity. God is my strength. Vision is his gift. One minute. Lesson 43, God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. I can see what God wants me to see. I cannot see anything else. Beyond his will lie only illusions. It is these I choose when I think I can see apart from him. It is these I choose when I try to see through the body's eyes. Yet the vision of Christ has been given me to replace them. It is through this vision that I choose to see. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. Lesson 44, God is the light in which I see. I cannot see in darkness. God is the only light. Therefore, if I am to see, it must be through him. I have tried to define what seeing is, and I have been wrong. Now it is given me to understand that God is the light in which I see. Let me welcome vision and the happy world it will show me. God is the light in which I see. 
کند Lesson 45, God is the mind with which I think. I have no thoughts I do not share with God. I have no thoughts apart from him because I have no mind apart from his. As part of his mind, my thoughts are his and his thoughts are mine. God is the mind with which I think. God goes with me wherever I go. God is my strength. Vision is my gift. God is my source. I cannot see apart from him. God is the light in which I see. God is the mind with which I think. Three minutes.
God goes with me wherever I go. God is my strength. Vision is his gift. God is my source. We cannot see apart from him. God is the light in which I see. God is the mind with which I think. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. God and thank you, friend. <laughs> thank you, friend. Okay, good morning. Um, God is my source, and God is go- God goes with me wherever I go. God is my source. Have to accept. I have to accept. I am one with God. That's the first doorway. I have to accept it. I am innocent. I am his holiness. And all his attributes are within me. They're mine. They're my inheritance. Um, I think I can't accept them unless I'm in the now. And in him. In him in the present tense. I have to have an awareness of being in those attributes, you know, being in the Christ mind, being in right-mindedness, being in my holiness. I just wanted to say I love the eternal fixation. I just love the eternal fixation. There's a part of my mind that's eternally fixed in God, and the call for God is with us forever and ever, always. He's always calling us home, which makes perfect sense because this world experiences a devolution from our true selves into this world experience of matter and materialism and time and space and darkness and suffering. And But the eternal fixation is home is always waiting for us, always, always a path that we can accept and choose. And the Holy Spirit is holding that door open for us to to go back home. That's all. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Karen. I love that image, holding the door open. Good morning, this is Sandra, and um, I I really appreciated the reading because I was finally able to apply it to myself, and I, maybe I heard it wrong or misunderstood, but this is how I heard it. Um, I had I spent years in depression because I was fixated on 
and that is where that's where the depression comes from is because I get fixated on somebody's on someone else and their behavior that I don't like <laughs> or I don't want or I've judged it that it's not right or it, sh- it shouldn't look like this it shouldn't be like this and I you know I did not I I was finally you know, it was before I got into the Course in Miracles, and I finally begged God to take this person out of my mind. Um, and and you know, it, it, it get, but it, but if I resist fixation, fixation is, you know, it is. We were created to fixate, but we were created to fixate on God, as Karen was saying, not on somebody's that we've judged their behavior to be bad or wrong or not, you know, whatever. And so until I got to that point of realizing that that fixation was me giving my power away because I was giving it to that person who I thought, who I judged, instead of giving my power, and and therefore I was somewhat powerless. I kept moving my life forward, but it, you know, it was, it, it was sure, uh, uh, it was just will, <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for that will. But I need that same will to fixate on God. And, 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 and when I fixate on God, I have power to create. And, and you know, then I, it was shortly after that that I came in contact with The Course in Miracles, and then I proceeded, even though I was still fixating and judging, um, I would catch myself. And these lessons are a way out of fixation, but until, unless I fixate, if I resist the fixation that I have, then I won't, I won't turn to these lessons. I'll just judge that other person. I'll get other people to agree with me, and, and I'll just go on my merry way. <laughs> but this, this, I, I, I see the positive aspect of fixating, either negatively on my judgments of another person, because that's what's going to motivate me, stop it, <laughs> because it makes me miserable and it takes my power away. And, and God needs me, and I need God, so that I can really, truly co-create um, the the divine on this planet not not the separation the unity on this planet not the separation and so again it's like i have to include the darkness it's part of my cutting edge learning i can't resist it because it it's what brings me to my knees and brings me back to god i'm complete oh that was good thank you Thank you. I had a different understanding. Um, Thank you, Go ahead. Yeah, really quick. I was just going to say, I think when I read it, and I could definitely be wrong, what I thought fixation meant was it's a time thing. Um, Eternal fixation is being fixated on God because that's true and it's our source. But the ego gets fixated developmentally, you know, like being developmentally arrested at a certain point in development. So, you know, my childhood 
victim of suffering and abuse is my is my ego's fixation. So I keep going back and living that again and again. Um, and that may be a little bit off, but I think what Freud was saying is we get arrested in a, in a state of development or we pass it, but we keep going back and getting stuck in it again o- over time. But eternal fixation, eternal fixation is the Holy Spirit can take us back to our purity and innocence and, and take us right back to our origin, our source, um, which is truth. And that's why Freud didn't get it, because he didn't want to let go of his uh, thought system. He didn't want to let go of separation, and he was too afraid. Um, I'm sorry. If, I'm not trying to, to uh, disagree with another person's interpretation. I just... It's just that's kind of how I heard it, but I don't know. Thank you. I'm complete. Okay. Great section, yeah. isn't it? It really yeah. is. Um, I, I'm going to uh, say that, you know, being eternally fixated in God is our changeless state that, you know, in the very first chapter, chapter it talks about this 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 belief, false belief that the ego has that we can make ourselves into a body, into something that's temporal and changes. And, you know, more widely the, the text refers to this fixation on a level so high it can't be undone. We're always pulled back to God because God created us and he will never leave us, he will never abandon us. He wants us to know that we're indestructible and incorruptible. And um, we can't escape his care because he created us to care for us. He created us so that we, in a way that we needn't have any cares or concerns, needs or worries whatsoever. That is the state of heaven. Mind, heaven is a state of mind where we have no needs, no wants, no uh-huh. lacks. The whole, the whole idea that... He created us changeless, like himself, with the same qualities that cannot be shaken, altered, destroyed, is our our fixed, changeless state. And that this whole prayer says, you know, I I can be reminded of that in the eternal now because it's a changeless state. It's always available to me. I've simply forgotten and lost myself in a projection of a, a mind separated from God. I believe that I'm an image of my own making. I'm believing in the, the reality that I've created, that I've made real to myself. That it's not real, it's a dream. The whole point is to wake up from the dream that I can, I can make myself into something I'm not. That's a fearful state to think that I'm, a, I'm actually going to die, that I can be killed, that I can be hurt, and I need, have needs and worries that I need to be, to be concerned about and have worries about. The whole thing is a screw job. You know, it's like <laughs> we made an image of ourselves, made versus create, right? The Course is very clear about this. And then we believe it. And we continually make ourselves afraid. And we, we think if we change stuff in the dream, 
that we're going to be safe and protected. That's the endless ego seeking and not finding. If I fix something about myself, you know, judging, not judging others is fine, but if I'm still judging myself as a body, I'm still seeing others as bodies. I cannot see myself as a body. Because if I do, I'm going to misperceive everything else in the world. It's the uh, complete undoing of the personal, personal body, mind, self. Because everything that comes from the instrument of perception is inherently judgmental and perceives itself as and like itself. And to see purely from the mind of God doesn't perceive at all. It merely knows everything as itself. It knows love as itself. It knows holiness as itself. It knows itself in oneness and completion. There are no distinctions, no differences, no boundaries, no borders, and no limits. Love, love is formless and changeless, and love created us like itself. Two, two different understandings of what re, capital reality is and reality of, as what we think it is. I am not what I think I am, and my, what I think I think are not my real thoughts. You know, this is fundamental course instruction, JC's instructions to me, and I'm just going to stand in the house of truth. I am as God created me. I can't make myself into something I'm not, and I won't believe it. I won't, simply won't believe it then I will not be afraid. Amen. I'm complete. Great share. Thanks. Yeah, Thank that you, was Judy. great. Thank you. Yeah, Karen. Thank I, you. I just want to respond to Karen. Um, that uh, I don't see any disagreement there, really, I don't think. Um, in my... It may be a thing about where what the fixation is, that the mind fixates not on particular, well, I mean, it can, you can straight to effect, right? But it's the meaning that we give them is what the fixation is. It's um, an idea of guilt or shame can create, this is a, I think in the thing, it's a, it's a fixation on a point of development that that creates this fixation in time, and we project that a particular particular to us episode what that meaning is out into the future, and then like Freud, we lose our access to eternity, which in time and eternity is what is always now <clears throat> it is now and so um i don't know if that if that helps but i you know i know for me that the fixation that i picked up was on you know other people's projection of guilt that I picked up, took on as my own. Uh, and, you know, I only did that. I let it, really, I let it happen. I I was already somehow 
ready. I mean, this may be the only way I've ma- I can make sense of the passage of my life is that I came in primed to run into certain things so I could learn that, you know, that ideas are important and, you know, the currency of the mind, but they should be current, currency. They can flow and change and that the eternal ideas are the things to fixate on and because the mind is like it says that enlightenment is only found through um, through clarity and clarity is is a state where the mind is is fixated on what's eternal and and so you know the, the you know thank you Lamont. but not let our mind stray to effect and have try and elevate them to the eternal <clears throat> when the eternal is a peace the peace of God. Anyway, I'm complete. I just wanted to say before... Thank I you, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. I just wanted to say before I step out of my car here, I, I'm going to be a minute late, uh, that I love, I love the term fixation. What an incredible gift to us that we can fixate on being grateful, on being loving, you know, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're, we're to fixate on them. And that's where I'm at today. Thanks, guys. Oh, Thank God you, bless Robin you for May. staying long Thank enough you. to share that. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thank that's you. what we trust. Thank you. Upon it. Hi, this is Diana. Fixation is a, a, a really wonderful world, uh, word to contemplate on, mind wandering. Another way of noticing, mm, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm going to wheel that thought back in and maybe throw it back because I don't, really don't want it. And I just really liked how the lesson came together and another way of pointing out you know, how consciousness works. And really, um, like your point of view on this little morning, um, I'll be thinking about that today. And just um, appreciate these lessons, especially this one, to bring it back home again, once again, so we can have a good look at it and go about our day. And know, really, how often we really do this Um you know, without even a, a second thought until we remember. Anyway, I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Yeah, thank you, <clears throat> Diana. Thank you, Diana. <clears throat> I think that this is, you know, you guys are getting it like in the, what it says in the beginning of the 88. Fixation can also be interpreted 
as an irrevocable or irrevocable call to sanity, which the mind cannot lose. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> that call exists in fixation on sanity rather than um, I think the insanity of uh, fixating on what we don't want really is uh, or what is something that is past or <clears throat> an effect of being in relationship I mean I think this is that um you know, relationship is eternal, so we can't separate. And, you know, real error that echoes around the world is an interpretation of relationship as producing separation and guilt. And if those two are escaped by a fixation on relationship being, meaning you can't be separate... <coughs> And, and that we're all in this together and guilt doesn't serve anything, then, you know, uh, it can, the, the same fixation that is our trap, can, that same mind action is actually the, the whole way out in some sense. Um, or the means by which the mind can find its way out of the trap by fixating on what is eternal. Anyway, I'm complete. Thanks, Lemoyne. <clears throat> Thank you, Lemoyne. I, I kind of muddied that up, but he says it so nicely in 88 that, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that this was Freud's problem and what what he encourages us to do. Um, I haven't been able to find that thing about clarity, but you know that uh, <clears throat> eighty-six uh, or eighty-five, eighty-five really. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the mind is fixed in its purpose, it is not clear. And enlightenment is understanding. Don't you love that in that paragraph? I don't know why I'd never noticed that before, but... It jumped out today. Hi guys, this is Lori. And uh, yeah, I love that paragraph 85. If you were complete, Lemoyne, um, I'd like to riff off um, of your share a little bit if I can. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, You know, I think this ties back to uh, the whole thing about what to do with what we think is, is yeah. uh, troubling us. goes back to yesterday's uh, instruction to as a different, as a different way as a way of saying cast your cares upon God 
And the answer will always be thine as the kingdom. And that's the answer to listen for. Anyway, go ahead, Mark. Appeal everything to God's own higher court. They'll dismiss the case against you. Um, I'll, I'll, um, I'm going to back out of the weeds for just a little bit and make a really, I think, significant point, and that is um, the ego thought system has everything exactly opposite of truth. Absolutely uh, mirror image backwards and upside down. And um, and I can say that that's a fact to me, not always in my experience, but it is a fact. And um, that's why the atonement, that one defense, he says, the one defense that can never be used to harm can only be used to heal is always the perfect defense only be used to heal and the whole notion that my being my beingness is split between a part that knows and understands and accepts the truth entirely and remain as I am created and this other part that um, experiences life from within the confines of a body and from that perspective considers everything else other. That's the notion that needs to be healed, that right there. It's an idea in my mind. That's an idea in my mind. That's not a reality. It's an idea in my mind. The truth is, according to the atonement, my mind is part of God's and I am very holy. The truth is, God is in everything I see because God is in my mind. Uh, The truth is, I have no thoughts I do not share with him. The truth is, God is the mind with which I think. And if I think I'm thinking other thoughts, um, I'm not thinking with God. That's what needs to be healed in my mind. Now, um, I I love the discussion that he had about Freud because he's pointing out um, the mind's errors. The, The mind errors, makes an error, makes a mistake. Uh, when it thinks it's on its own. When it thinks it's on its own and has to come up with a way to escape its own split. All right? And, you know, before we come into God's presence and realize how truly we are one with him, um, we devised lots of different escape mechanisms and the world gave us lots of different escape mechanisms lots of different strange ideas I'm going to just throw out a few Um, (laughs) before I understood how mind is totally fixed in God and I'm not a separate person I used to go to Vespers every afternoon at the Pink Sisters and that was a place where uh, they couldn't talk to anybody they were totally cloistered 
but they were very generous and they shared communion with us in the afternoon. Not with us, but they had communion. And then they took Jesus, the host, and put him in a tabernacle and put him to bed. That's a symbol of the separation. Um, in Jewish faith, they believed that only only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies and be in the presence of God. Uh, so many of our religions are based on specialness of certain holy people, and the rest of us um, are out here trying to figure all this out. Fixation, as he wants to explain it to my mind here today, is the idea that there's opposite. Just the idea that there's opposite to truth. Freud thought fixation was a defense mechanism to protect the mind's integrity. When it couldn't cope with its own fear, it became fixated at a certain point in development. And he, he couldn't understand that there is an escape hatch for this split mind. Because in his mode of theory, everything that was disturbing involved a defense mechanism. And his whole uh, thought system was based on the mind's defense and that the mind could choose to protect itself from fear by being fixated at a level of development. In this section, he's giving us the overview that everything you ever saw, you've got it backwards. The mind is fixed in God. It needs no defense. It already is fixed in God. The atonement is already in the altar of man's heart. God put it there the same moment that we decided to have a separate being. The atonement is part of us. The Holy Spirit is both God and you. You are host to God. That's a fact. That's simply a fact. And so all your efforts to protect yourself or find your escape, um, you, you don't need that because you've got it exactly backwards. You've got it exactly backwards. You've got everything exactly backwards. And so when your peace is disturbed, my, my dear people, <laughs> when your peace is disturbed, you've got a mind error, just a thought error, an errant thought got into your mind. Return your mind to the point at which you made the thought error. Um, you know, all those, all those years, you know, um, after my mother died and my brother died and, and I got sick, you know, if I had returned my mind to the point at which I made the thought error, Anything wasn't for me. Remember, in this chapter, everything is for your good. Everything, everything, everything is for you. Everything is for you. I made a mind error, and I thought, oh, you know, love's, love has departed me. Love has departed me. If, if I had returned my mind to that point at which I made the error and remembered, remembered that truth is always in my mind at the altar that I share with Christ. Isn't that a beautiful image? This is eternal fixation. This altar in the heart, the chamber where only truth can abide, this chamber I share with Christ at this same altar, the only thing worthy of this altar is the atonement. He's not somewhere else. 
I'm not somewhere else. I'm in him and me. If I'd returned my mind to that place where I made thought error, I'd have remembered I'd have remembered the joy. You know. And uh and the love. And so, um, love cannot disappear. And um that's what I love most about this whole section. If I'm out of peace, I've made a mind error. That's all. I've made a mistake in my thought. I've let some thought that's not true have space in my mind and collect data to build a story. <laughs> and of that story, uh, I now experience those effects. I can return my mind to truth and entertain that effect and realize that the only thing worthy the altar of art in the place I share with Christ is the truth of my oneness with God. That's why he enjoins me. He enjoins me in this reading to give my mind, commend your spirit to him in paragraph 92. That's all. Commend your spirit to him and recognize he cares for me. His care for me is his joy. Can I even imagine that? Commend your spirit. You are of one mind and spirit with him, excluding yourself from him. Means just that you don't want to be healed, but I do. I do want to be healed of the effects of my mistaken thoughts. That's what the atonement's for. The one defense that can only be used to heal. Fixation and development, denial, dissociation, and all those other things that the mind does, things that has no escape. I don't need those. I've got the one defense, the one true defense against fear, the one true defense against loss of peace, the one defense that can never be used to hurt me or anyone else. And all I need to do is return my mind to the point at which I made the thought error and give it over to the Holy Spirit peace and recognize that if I've made, you know, terrible things have happened as a consequence of my mistake, and I can tell you some terrible things that happened as a consequence of my, my mistake, horrible things, horrible things happened. But the Holy Spirit undoes all of that, all of it. If I let him, the one defense that can never be used to harm, it is the mind's, um, the mind's escape from its belief that anything is less than all genius. It's the healing of my mind, and I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Yes, thank you, Laura. That was wonderful. I, you know, that that healing is of my mind. That nothing really happened. I think that something is really happening here in this relative reality. But this is not real, and that's why the course instructs me not to judge any of it because it's impossible for me to understand it. To think that I know whether something I did was bad or good, 
right or wrong, successful or not successful, or a failure, is to think I know what God's plan in in the totality of His one Son is about. And I, you know, I think in in you know the whole knowing that we're blameless and that we're innocent because we're all just heroes in a play on a stage that really we don't understand, that we suit and we show up, and what's happening is happening. And um, the importance of, of, of the understanding, the clarity that it speaks of in the text today comes from the willingness to let go of my investment in the reality of the dream, that I, I'm not valuing or investing in things that are temporal and worldly or the body. Stuff that changes is not who and what I am. The fixation on God, which God would never leave, would never let me leave, my capital reality is purely mind, purely consciousness. And it's not the little limited mind that Judy thinks with. It has nothing to do with the little limited brain that Judy thinks she thinks with or the reality with Jude, what Judy thinks she thinks she's in. It, it has nothing at all to do with that. And it's like never the two shall meet. The spirit does not know the ego and the ego does not know anything about the spirit. And it's, they're totally irreconcilable. And the, the understanding and the ease and the totality of, of forgiving myself and forgiving the world, forgiving God's Son in completion, a complete and total forgiveness, which is what the universality of the, the atonement is. It's one for all and all for one, and nobody is any better or any worse, nobody is any greater or less than that we're all equally here, equally mistaken. As long as I wake up and I'm still in this body, I'm, <laughs> I'm still li- living a mistaken idea of somebody who thinks she is something. And, you know, it goes on and on until it stops. And when do you waken? When do you waken? When do you waken? When we stop investing importance, value. My personal thoughts are very important personal thoughts, and, you know, what that person does is very important what that person does. And it's like, hmm, I don't know. What I don't know is, you know, what's really, really, really going on, but I do know what a a constancy, what a stability, what a joyfulness, what a peacefulness is as I am, and I know that for sure. So I'm all for the undoing of perception and the instruments of perception in a a perceptual world because I trust and have faith in, in something beyond this because this world is insane. As much beauty as there is in it to be seen, perceived, and known, there's a lot of cray-cray going on, too. So I'm going to be still now. Thank you. Love it, Jude. All I can say is resist nothing, include everything, 
and have infinite patience, infinite patience with myself and everyone else. I'm complete. Well, that's a bedrock, isn't it? Thanks, Sandra. Oh, Sandra, thank you. I love the simplicity of that. Accept everything and refuse nothing. <laughs> Ask for nothing. been focusing on the divine logic versus the ego's logic because of course the text speaks of this you know the outcome that the the ego and the spirit are complete opposites in origin um, purpose and outcomes so the divine logic has um, God as an origin the singleness of purpose is to love and be loving, lovable, and the um, outcome is God. You know, the means and the end are one. And But the logic of the ego, where it comes from, where does the ego come from? From the imagination of a mind separate from God. And its purpose is to maintain that through fear, but not the undoing of fear, but through the minimization of minimalizing it. And this whole discussion about Freud, you know, Freud was a cocaine nutbag. He was, <laughs> he was as crazy as anybody I, I ever hung around with in my life. And the analysis paralysis, that's all I can think about, because he uses time the way the ego does. He, he uses the continuity of a person that I was born and that I grew up and I have this story and it all is accumulating guilt and specialness, special relationships and using and being used, and this whole purpose that the ego has to remain separate and project project happiness in the future because it's not right here and right now and denies the self, capital self, completely. So this, you know, analysis paralysis when the... You know, ego analyzes and the spirit just lovingly accepts everything. Amen. Love, Freud. (laughs) I am complete. Sounds like Jesus had a great deal of respect for him, too. I like that. Yeah, he was pretty close. sounds, Sounds like... But I get what you're saying, Judy. I mean, it always impressed me that Freud's view of the mind was a view of his mind. <laughs> and it's like, it sounds like a, there's some personal stuff involved in that whole system. And uh, But that's not the real problem or the issue that, that Jesus points to. It's like he was trying to get rid of the solution. And this is this is the, uh, something he returns to in the course again and again. The ego will, you know, distract and has a slaughter 
make us forget what will actually work. And, you know, the fixation becomes the fixation in the space-time belief instead of towards truth, which, if it's really true, is eternal and therefore is outside of the space-time. And it's not really separate. It's around, you know, holds the space-time. I think this is, you know, there's various pitfalls where we can just return to separation in in the attempt to escape <clears throat> separation. But escaping separation is more like what Tundra said, you know, the escape from separation is acceptance. And not, not rejection. <laughs> anyway, I'm complete there. Well, it's it. Thanks, you know, Lori. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you said what you said, Lori. Um, that you know, appreciating the the level levels of understanding the mind that didn't exist before certain people like. Freud or Jung or Erickson, you know, these are all people who studied it, studied the mind because they loved it and they wanted to understand it. So I'm just glad you said that, Lori. Thank you. Yeah. I wonder if it ever occurred to Freud the way it did with... um, uh, Eckhart, the now moment. Did it not ever occur to him that now moment where God and heaven resides, where our peace is? I'm, um, maybe a threat to him to even include that because I had to introduce a concept of God, you know? Um, I know there's a lot of books or people are so afraid to even have that title be mentioned for, you know, no, you know, universe, spirit, this, that, you know, uh, just backing off on the simple word God. And was there anything that you know about that he even investigated that concept of that now moment? Um, I'm complete. You know, I haven't really studied it very well, so I can't really say. I think this might be kind of where Jung went his separate way. Because he was more focused, maybe not on the now, but on what is eternal. Or what is the the longer-term thing. You know, this idea of archetypes existing. As, as uh, um, not separate, it's something we're in relation to, but that they're, you know, the states of being, ways of being, that are, exist outside the human scale.
but may indeed just be our creation. In the, in the attempt to understand the eternal and God. Well, I'm I'm of two minds. What do you think, Lori? I kind of want to let this roll, but uh, time to kind of want let what? Let the call roll. Let the recording roll on, but. Uh, The time isn't a number. The time is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's your call, my dear. <clears throat> I, there's a lot. There's a lot to say in here. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to do this <clears throat> because I, I, I really feel it. I mean, I just think it's. And I'm going to try and read 94 in the first person. It starts with the word I. So I will name the the ah. narrator. <laughs> or, you know, the, uh, lost the word, you know, the, the producer of the... It is you. The other hand of the channel that produces work, right? So Jesus. Jesus has already told me that whenever I am not wholly joyous, it is because I have reacted with a lack of love to some soul which God created. Perceiving myself as sinful, I have become defensive because I have already attacked myself. The decision to react in this way, however, is mine and therefore can be undone. It cannot be undone by repentance in the usual sense. Well, I've tried because this just emphasizes the guilt. <laughs> and if I allow myself to continue to feel more guilt, because I already feel guilty, yeah, what created the problem will not solve it, and I will just reinforce the error rather than allowing it to be undone for me. And I think that points at the thing that, you know, he he repeatedly says he says in various ways there is yesterday's section, you know, where it says thine is the kingdom. There's the places where it says that I am the kingdom, you know, meaning I'm saying that in the first person. It says you are the kingdom. Um <clears throat> um also says you are the miracle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it explains God's last judgment as a statement of absolute and unconditional love. So, um, this thing that, and I think it, I think it's 
it's a particular problem of mine because of a particular incident where if I look at it objectively and I've had other people, you know, I could get people to readily say that, you know, I was the youngest and smallest person in the camp. I mean, I was not the source of all the error. I tried to resist the, the tendency of what was happening until I lashed out to make it stop. And so I tried to make it stop, but used the wrong means and, you know, became the focus for everyone's projection of how the, that game was going to end badly by making it end badly, my own self. So this walks me back around to where I could pick up guilt again. But if I allow myself to feel guilty, I know what it does, you know. I will have decided wrongly because I will not be at peace. And so I have to, really I do have to let it be undone for me at this point. Too well practiced. And it's also the truth that in the long run, I mean, probably nobody else even remembers it. The counselors who were at fault may have easily passed on because they're probably being their 80s at least. And, you know, I mean, who cares? But it's like set my frame of mind for a lifetime. And, you know, I found other evidence for this down the road. Again, by feeling, by judging myself as un, already guilty, unable to react to anything except, uh, you know, defensively attacking. There's not anything. I mean, I could react to a lot of things with love, but if it came to push and shove, it became defensive attack. And, uh, yeah. It's all that's ever been required is a change of mind. I have made that change of mind. <laughs> but it does take time to work out all the all the places I put it around me in the world. So You know, thank thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing that. I think for me you know, I'm I'm in 69 years old today, and how long have I carried that old story from my childhood around? You know, uh, ad- adopting that story, you know, making it my new story for today, and and then the next day, and then the following day, until and is that serving anybody? Do, does anybody even want to hear that stuff anymore, or no, you no. know, or anybody that you meet, you know? No, uh, it's it's something that that I feel um, like the book was saying it's going to come around and it's going to come around and it's going to come around until you're you really are saying enough enough okay that may have defined me then in that moment but it's time for me I'm talking about myself to just drop it and be done with it and choose a new story and have empathy for those that I see around me that maybe suffering in some way, you know, by putting a smile on or saying something, you know, that could could change that. I mean, I had an incident last night that, I, you know, I had to, 
you know, we read this, when I went to bed, I, when everyone went to bed early, you know, I had them in bed at 9 o'clock last night, read, do, play with your phones, whatever you want, that 9 o'clock time, lights out, and everybody went to bed, and, and so did I. And um, this house is so big that I have to call them to come down for breakfast, you know, <laughs> screaming, and they can't hear me from the opposite end of this hotel, if you will. And, but anyway, I, when I went to bed, I read this, this book again, and something really dawned on me, and I had a lot of shame and guilty feelings because we had all gone out to eat last night, and my grandson, that's Tim, um, was uh, in his restaurant, well, I don't know what it was called, it was a sushi restaurant, and there was a conveyor belt, and you take a plate, and then, you know, you, you eat what's on the plate, and then you deposit the plate, and the plate is calculating, you know, uh, what you ate by how many plates are in there, and you get your bill. And I'm watching him, and here's, here's my ego mind, because, you know, um, uh, uh, the, the girls are kind of being mindful. They're taking, you know, two or three plates. Aaron was on his 11th plate before I said, hey, hey, little man, enough, you know. And Wyatt was bothering me. But then I thought, God, am I, I don't want to shame him, you know. These are small plates. If he eats 10, it's not my business, you know. But it, it bothered me, and it bothered me, and it bothered me. And I had a lot of guilt about that because I thought, Jesus, did I shame him in front of everybody, you know, about how much he was eating? If I did that, I owe him an amends. And I felt really bad and guilty about that because what anybody else does is not my business, you know, except that I'm a grandparent paying this bill and I'm trying to be mindful, you know. So here's that other mind going, you know. And, and but all I could do this morning was, make a beautiful breakfast, get up, let that face go, put on one that was a right-minded face, write him a little letter, good morning, sunshine, Aaron, superhero, put this little, you know, placemat that I made with his breakfast, you know, and start again. These lessons are always to stay, you know, stay on my own, stay on my own side and just notice what I can do because of what I've learned to be of service to the next guy. And my learning isn't going to be done until it's done, you know. But I think staying in old thought is not helpful, is not healing or, or kind to ourselves. But um, choosing how we want to be and how it can be and dropping everything else as if it doesn't ha- didn't happen. Nobody needs to know that. You know, you know you went through it. But what can you do with this as a result of what happened? And that stuff does carry. You know, and and Lori, I didn't know about some of the stuff you talked to. You were so vulnerable this morning, and I'm I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to also hear conversations so they don't know. You know, I'm hearing you through my hearing aids. You know, and and so I'm 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 really good though at, at you know looking at their mouths and lip reading. So I'm you know doing that couple hats on at the time, trying to engage both ways. But you can never do that. You've got you've got to stay focused on what you're doing in the moment if you want anything done right. But it was pretty important conversations going on the last couple of days. And, but to not let that define you now, Jesus, Lemoyne, you sharing 
that story made me love you even more, you know, and you too, Lori, because that was your past, but you never would have known that. That wasn't defining you now. And and um, all we can do is the best we can do, make amends, tell them for our errors, and move on, you know, and and just step into love whenever we, we know it is. I, I love that, 96. It has to be my favorite, you know. I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace, you know. Uh, and who, who did we hear that from, you know? <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I will decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him, and I will let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. And my prayer is that I'm just open so I can hear his voice and continue to be the kind of person I know I'm happiest when I am, you know, following his lead. So anyway, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. That was really beautiful, Diana. Yeah, I'm so great. happy to have heard that this morning. Thank you. And, yeah, I think I'm going to let that be the conclusion of the recording, because it's the repetition of 96. And where the reading ends, that's where I'll let it all end, or the recorded portion. On the recording, but not to call. And, uh, yeah, on 